This is most certainly true. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He shines the light of his love into dark places, our world, our lives, our hearts. And his light chases away the darkness of sin and makes us to shine with his glory. And through his saving work, we will rise and shine to live forever in the glory of heaven. Behold the splendor of Jesus' love in this sermon recently delivered at Grace. First reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6 and will serve as the basis for the sermon today. God calls Isaiah to be his messenger as he also now calls us. One note about the three readings as printed in your service folder. You will hear some differences as I am reading because you have this morning the privilege of doing some translation comparison. We are blessed in our day and age to have a variety of very fine translations. Printed in the service folder is what's known as the English Standard Version. I will be reading from the New International Version 2011 edition. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me the word of the Lord. There is reluctance built in. And for the kids, that reluctance is a big word that means don't want to do it. But this reluctance is built in like a college student facing a major essay or a complicated project to be completed. Or like a vegetable gardener looking at weeds popping up along the rows of beans carrots, and onions, or like someone carrying an extra 10 or 15 pounds and knowing it's time to start exercising, or like a salesperson needing to make cold calls and knowing that 97% of those people contacted will hang up, or like a manager in a business dealing with a complicated and challenging personnel issue, I don't want to do it. Something we perceive to be hard or exhausting or just plain no fun, 
we would just as soon avoid, forget about, put aside. You can blame our first parents, Adam and Eve, and the fallout we inherited for this built-in reluctance, or you can be courageous and own up to it, but it's this built-in reluctance, I don't want to do it, that, that does no good for us and keeps us from doing what we really need to do. Then the Lord God comes along in Scripture and speaks to us, for example, through the Apostle James' letter and makes it very clear that Christian faith and Christian life are linked. That faith is not an abstract state of mind or some warm, fuzzy feeling. And that there's really no such thing as a true living faith that does not play out in words and actions and attitude. Christians who do not worship, pray, serve, love, give, and witness, may be fooling themselves, but they are not fooling God, not doing what God wants, and demonstrating that their trust in the Lord needs shoring up. But here's how it too often has gone for me when I am reminded what God wants me to be and do. Lord, You want me to worship more regularly? I can work on that. You want me to pray more? I can get better at that. You want me to serve others? I'll put effort into that. You want me to show selfless love? Okay, I'll strive to dump my me-first-ness. You want me to give generously? I'll adjust the percentage of income that I offer. You want me to witness? I don't want to do that. Here am I. Send somebody else. Is that how it goes for you, too? How do we turn that around? How do we get to, here am I. Send me. Have you visited the Grand Canyon or been on a trip in the Rockies where you pull off your car, maybe go for a little hike in the middle of those grand mountains? Have you witnessed a gorgeous sunset over the ocean, held a newborn? There are times in life when measured against the vastness of the universe and the greater greatness of God that we recognize we're just like a little tiny grain of sand on an expansive ocean beach. 2,762 years ago, there was a man named Isaiah who was given a vision of being in the presence of the Lord Almighty, sitting on his throne, encircled by angels, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. What, what's with that? Covering the face. Well, covering the face is a sign of humility. I'm unworthy to be in your presence, God. Even angels who are confirmed in their holiness ever since some of their lot rebelled against God and were tossed from his loving presence, even angels recognize that they are not on God's level. He's too Burj Khalifa awesome. That's a half-mile tall building in Dubai. He's too mountain mighty. He's too polished diamond pure for them to even dare to assume that they could be his equals. 
And then there's Isaiah's gut reaction. Woe to me! As he senses this vision in the presence of God. Woe to me! I'm ruined! I am unworthy! Which is an even more justified response than that of the angels covering their faces because Isaiah was a mere mortal. And yet, God gave to Isaiah this vision of what it's like to be in the presence of God. The only true and living God there is, not some distant, dangerous, grumbling volcano, not some massive, pot-bellied, cross-legged statue sitting silently in a distant, incense-filled hall, not some holographic Wizard of Oz character, but the real, unchanged, unchanging Lord of all, who rules all angelic armies, who has made and controls everything, everything, to infinity and beyond, as Bud Lightyear would say. No wonder, in the midst of such glory and grandeur and greatness, Isaiah cried out, I'm just a worm compared to God. I'm just a speck of dirt under his shoe. I'm unworthy. You ever felt like that? I have. But shock of shocks, God has determined to connect himself to mere mortals, to us. We can see that in the reaction of the angels calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth, not space far beyond, but the whole earth is filled with his glory. God connecting to earth. In Isaiah's reaction, my eyes have seen the king. I have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. A human connected to God, God to a person. What a wonder. What a miracle that God would not ignore us as insignificant or squish us like bugs but he turns our I'm unworthy into I'm in awe and he does that in one special way by his care for us the Savior himself said do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear look at the birds of the air <laughs> they don't store or reap sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Our mouths drop open in wonder, like the angels covering their faces, like Isaiah in the presence in this vision of the living God, like Moses at the burning bush, like the three of Jesus' disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, that God before whom we ought to bow in all unworthiness, takes the time and has the heart to care for us and turns our, I'm unworthy, into, I'm in awe. With two wings, they covered their feet. What's that all about? Were they embarrassed that their sandals were a little scuffed up? Did they have unclipped toenails? No. Think back to Jesus in the upper room with his disciples the night before he died. He took a basin of water and a towel and what? He washed their feet. Why? We, who have closets full of shoes and changes of socks daily and paved roads, have a hard time picturing what it was like for people who lived in a place in a time 
when all the roads were unpaved and there were no sidewalks. But think of what it's like and what happens to your feet when you go around barefoot in the summertime. You walk across newly mown grass or cut across a blacktop driveway and your feet are filthy. That's the point of this angelic wing action of covering feet. That's Angels didn't have any sin. But it's symbolic of sin that's the dirt of sin needing to be covered because God does not stand for sin in his presence. And that was Isaiah's major problem. He called out, Woe to me! I'm ruined! I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah had a keen sense of the dirt and filth of his own sin. Do you? At the beginning of this worship service, I announced, God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. But that will mean nothing and will be as boring as watching paint dry unless we all have a keen understanding of our feet that have led us astray, our hands that have sent that nasty and hurtful email or text, our eyes that have lusted, our ears that have accepted gossip, our lips that have lied, our heads that have harbored insecurity and envy and self-importance, all of which makes us filthy, dirty with sin before God. If we do not have a keen sense of that filth of our dirt of sin before God, we'll never appreciate what he did about it. If we don't have a keen sense of how bad and how dirty our sin really is, then eventually all this church stuff will become boring. We'll stop reading our Bibles. And we'll fall into the pit of thinking that, well, I'm, I'm okay, but maybe I just need a little God talk once in a while sprinkled in. No, we are dirty through and through. Shock of shocks, God did not force Isaiah to cover up his own sin and to try to remove sin from God's sight. God did that for him. Here's what I, we find in this account. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. What a miracle! That the Son of God, the eternal, massive, holy, big, uh, bigger than big God would come to this world, take on flesh, and sacrifice himself so that our guilt is turned away from God's sight, so that our sin is covered like the angels covering their feet, like Isaiah experiencing this live coal to purify his sinful lips and his sinfulness, like King David having his guilt swept away, like the Apostle Peter who denied knowing the Lord and catching the Lord's forgiving glance, God turns our, I'm dirty, into, I'm pardoned. And with two wings, they were flying. Well, it's obvious what that symbolizes, right? These angels had a job to do, and they were sent out. And their job was to proclaim a most important message, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And angels had absolutely no hesitation serving as his messengers because that's what they were created to do. They were created and designed by God to do his bidding, to serve him, especially to be his messengers. In fact, the word angel means messenger. 
But we humans, of course, have our excuses and reasons why we don't really like to be and want to be his messengers, like, like Isaiah. Well, I'm not good enough. Or like Moses, I won't know what to say. Or like Jeremiah, I'm too young. Or like Jonah, I don't like the people to whom I'm going to speak. Shock of shocks. God did not reject those scaredy cats. Instead, what did he do? He pardoned them. And that very pardon was the rocket fuel inside that led them to speak. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. What a miracle! That the Lord God would empower us to be his messengers. Long ago he used angels as messengers, but that ended at Jesus' ministry. Angels announcing a message at his birth, at the empty tomb, at his ascension. But now God says, I'm going to use human beings. I'm going to use you, not the angels. What a thrill, what a privilege to fly out like the angels with his good news. And we get reminders. We have good news to proclaim in many unique ways. Like today, as you walk outside and head down the sidewalk to Bible class, before you do, stop and look at the outside of the rose window and the terracotta stone wording around it. Just take a, it's, I know it's cold outside. Take a moment. Take a look when you get outside. It says, Evangelische Lutherische Gnadenkirche. That's German. Evangelical Lutheran Grace Church. Evangelische. That's German for evangelical. Evangel. Angel, I already told, told you, means messenger. The Eve part means good. We have good Message, a good message, good news to proclaim. So go ahead and fly on the wings of God's mercy. Fly with the Spirit's power to people you know, to your friends who need to hear of hope and help that comes from God alone. And you can tell them, I've got something wonderful for you. The best news you're ever going to hear. God loves you. And you can do that because God turns our, I'm scared, into I'll serve. Reluctance may be built in with our sinful nature, but nature, but when it comes to someone you really care about, like an army buddy when you're in battle and bullets are whizzing over his head, or like your toddler running out into a busy street, you'll do anything to risk your life to save them because you care about them. God cares about everyone. And because he does, so do we. And then he fills us with awe and pardon and courage so that our reluctance melts away and evaporates like a snow pile on a surprising 70-degree day in spring. And then pouring out of our lips is, Here am I. Send me. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor 
and give you peace. 